Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Design to Product podcast, where we talk about getting a product from design to a manufactured product. We'll hear about the journeys of people who build products, design for manufacturing, supply chain challenges, and much, much more. I'm Adar, your host today. I'm the CEO of Giga, and we in Giga know that anyone who works with manufacturing suppliers can free up a huge amount of time and money by getting out of their emails and spreadsheets for quoting, sourcing, and supplier communication. So if you're a product professional who constantly sends RFQs to suppliers and deal with manual tasks, uh, probably we can help you. Just go over to giga.io. It's J-I-G-A and book a short call. Let's see if we can help you. Our guest today is Dylan Horvath, and I'm pretty excited about this because Dylan Horvath is the founder, president, and chief product officer of Cortex Design. And Dylan, I was really interested in uh, hosting you because you have so much experience in getting a product from design to manufacturing, basically, mm-hmm. um, doing that for many years now. Uh, so maybe we could start by telling us a little bit about Cortex Design. Sure. Yeah. Um, and Adars, thank you for getting in touch, and uh, it's a pleasure to meet you. Um, Likewise. Yeah, Cortex Design is, uh, I founded Cortex Design uh, over 20 years ago um, to create a firm that was really human-centered in its approach to, to product development and um, focused on the experience that a user wants to have with the solution or, or the product that's, um, that, that has been launched. So, you know, typically we work with early stage companies or skunk works within larger corporations that are, that have identified a new technology. They believe they've identified a market that they want that new technology to be applied to. And um, they usually have very strong internal engineering teams that may have strong science team. Um, and they've at least de-risked it to the point where they believe that this is going to be commercially successful. Mm-hmm. But... Now they need to accelerate. They need to design the product in a way that the person that's operating the product can understand, looking at it, it's clear what the function is, um, and create real resonance in the product market. Um, and beyond that, uh, this year we, we received our ISO 1345 certification, oh, which ah. is for uh, medical, medical device design. We're yeah. focusing on medical and life science. Uh, the reason for that is we're building better human experiences, and there's such a wealth of bad experiences in human healthcare. Um, we have a huge push on to democratize access to healthcare services by bringing them out of clinics, out of hospitals, into people's homes, and um, that is where we are focused as a firm. Wow, fascinating! Do you have like any examples for um, medical device products that you're excited about? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the uh, a really great example of this is um, products being launched by CloudDX, one of our clients. Um, CloudDX is focused on being able to uh, miniaturize the, the devices that are used to collect vital signs data, for example, um, and uh, be able to monitor a large group of people all at once within a clinic without, uh, without a huge service delivery burden of it. Um, so there's a wearable that can monitor all five human vital signs that we help them uh, develop. Um, another great example is uh, the carry medication dispensing system. And so this is for people that 
are required to take um, multiple medications, often for multiple morbidities, um, throughout a challenging schedule throughout the day. Right now, the standard care of delivery is to have a nurse actually show up and um, hand dispense those and make sure that the person takes them. Sometimes that means they can't be in their home. Sometimes that means the nurse has to travel to a home. Um, right. So this medication system works with existing uh, multi-dose pouch packaging um, uh, systems that are already universal and um, being deployed all over the world and uh, packages that into something that can actually monitor, track, dispense those medications on schedule and reminds the person in the home um, when it's time to do that. Um, and the design is very much focused on something that's going to live within their home without having a stigma of like having some huge medical device um, wow. that's sitting there looking like uh, you're disabled in some way. So we, we try to fit our products with lifestyle. Right. Wow. It must be so exciting to work on such product that transform people's lives in so many ways. And I think medical devices are definitely um, one of the things that there's so much opportunity there. So founders, if you're listening right now, um, so Cortex are your guys for that, um, for sure. Then I, I saw uh, on your website uh, something that I'd love to discuss. You mentioned that uh, decisions made at the design stage must be informed by the manufacturing strategy. So what do you mean here? How can decisions at the design stage uh, be informed by the manufacturing strategy? Mm -hmm. Well, ultimately, early stage, early stage design is, is very um, aspirational. Um, and it's important to be able to visualize the perfect future. You know, what, how ideally you would like to interact with the world or um, in some cases with, with, uh, with healthcare devices or other products, a person actually doesn't want an interaction. They, they don't want to change their behavior, yeah. right? They, they want to just continue living their lives, but just at uh, an amplified quality of life um, or diminished pain. Um, so visualizing that at the outset is aspirational. Then you have to execute. So strategy firms, for example, um, are great at um, visualizing the future, but not so great at execution. We do both sides. So we look at product strategy and how to amplify stakeholder value. So we, we we're leading towards commercial success. Part of that is providing proposals that are achievable in manufacturing. Mm -hmm. So um, it's, it's very difficult to um, suggest that something's going to be successful commercially if you don't know how to manufacture it. Right. And um, so if you're making proposals for things that either don't fit within a regulatory framework or don't fit within a manufacturable product strategy that is manufacturable at a good cost um, that fits with the market, um, from the beginning, you run the risk of showing blue sky ideas. Yeah. And rather than, rather than driving commercial success, you get everybody at the executive level excited and then it gets tossed over to another engineering firm to deliver and they find that they can't deliver it or that, or that promise isn't uh, kept throughout the, throughout the launch stages. Right. And it's very, it's, it's highly likely that it will happen if you didn't take manufacturing considerations because uh, we live in a real world and not in an ideal world. And uh, probably the dreams that you have are not exactly things that you can manufacture, especially if you're uh, not taking that into account uh, 
very early on. Absolutely. And, um, and fitting it within um, something that's going to pass through uh, product testing as well. And, mm-hmm. and that goes hand in hand with manufacturing feasibility. Right. Uh, what about quality? Do you uh, also take that into account? Yeah. So um, at all stages of, of uh, a new product introduction, you want to be increasing resonance, increasing, increasing excitement, um, and reducing risk. Mm-hmm. And having a quality system in place is part of that. So at each step, especially in manufacturing, it's uh, important that metrics for success are defined. And those metrics have to be numeric and they have to be measurable. They have to be something that will fit in with the manufacturing strategy as well. Um, so it's all well and good to fully dimension of parts. Um, at the end of the day, if during part inspection, those, those dimensions can't be inspected for whatever reason, mm-hmm. the part's organic, um, the, uh, the, the factory doesn't have the inspection equipment in line, um, they don't have uh, the quality systems that need, are needed, or in, or in a lot of cases, over-defining um, constraints can just drive timelines, drive costs, mm-hmm. increase uh, rejections needlessly. So it's, so it's a delicate balance, basically. It's a delicate balance and, and you know, identifying what those really key inspection metrics are um, so that you can catch them before they get into an assembled product and then you're you know, testing a fully assembled product that has problems. Got it. Um, you want to check each of those uh, sub-assemblies before it goes into an assembled whole and then you need to define a final inspection criteria uh, before it can be released to a customer. Do you have like examples for such criteria and metrics? Um, it's really project specific. So, um, and, and the requirements depends on the use case too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for example, um, we're, we're dealing right now with, um, with a factory that has shipped parts that uh, have the color metric off a little bit. Mm-hmm. But the challenge is defining what is acceptable. So, you know, most people think, hey, I've specified it, that's enough, and it doesn't match. So that's a failure. But if you don't define the range of failure, like mm-hmm. there's nothing is perfect. Right. There's always variation at some level. You know, there's no such thing as, 10 millimeters yeah. when, when it comes to, you know, 10 millimeters is aspirational. Um, yeah. You know, a Pantone chip is aspirational. Ultimately, you have to say what a range of acceptability is or yeah. that you're going to follow a formulation and every time you follow that formulation, you're going to get the same results. So um, when, there's, when there's, if you define everything too early, it scares manufacturing partnerships away. Mm-hmm. Um, because they know, oh, this is going to be a problem client. Mm-hmm. So uh, especially when you're onboarding new manufacturing partners, part of that startup is getting into a rhythm of establishing what they're good at, what they're not good at, and where some of those risks lie. Ensuring they have a quality system in place is important. Ensuring they have traceability on their processes is important. Um, we prefer using manufacturers with ISO 9001. Yeah. but Ultimately, it comes down to the practice of the individuals within within a factory. 
Right. So let's talk about that a little bit. You put a lot of emphasis on also something that I, I saw on your website on manufacturer relationships, which I can totally relate with. Um, so do you have any tips for building strong relationships with suppliers, which is uh, basically key for getting your products to market? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think in all respects of, um, of our business, empathy is really important. Mm-hmm. And understanding the motivation of your partners is important. So we would love all of our relationships in manufacturing to be documented. You know, like this is, this is the criteria for success. This is the target price that I want. You're not meeting it. I need you to change this, beat them up, beat them over the head until they get the price that, uh, that you're requesting because that's what's going to define business success for you. Um, that's a really, um, narrow vision of how to, um, create a, a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very transactional. Yeah, and, exactly, yeah. um, you know, ultimately we're all dealing with people and right. all people have their own motivations for doing their work and, um, all aspirations, their own aspirations, their own goals, their own requirements for business success within, within their own business. Mm-hmm. And being able to understand that as you, as you start new, engagements is important. So a lot of the time when we're onboarding with a new, with a new manufacturing partner, we will ask a lot of questions that have nothing to do with our business or our requested business with them. And we try to see if there's alignment between what it is that we need and what, what they would call success uh, or call a successful relationship as well. And, you know, the, Manufacturing partnerships are a really key part of right. business success. And that's what it is. It's a relationship. So you have to be respectful. Um, you have to um, make expectations clear, and but then check if those expectations are reasonable and mm-hmm. acceptable um, mm-hmm. for, uh, for the manufacturer. So you can't... I have found that you can't expect perfection at any stage. What you can expect is um, a supportive relationship where it's acceptable. It's, it's known that there's going to be issues. Yeah. And you, you plan for those issues, you mitigate them. Um, and in some Trust cases, your you can't, partner. Yeah. Yeah. That's a partnership. And in some cases, you can't actually find alignment uh, to go forward. Mm-hmm. And at some point, you got to be brave enough just to say, you know what, this is actually not a metric that we can hit. Mm-hmm. And that might be something that you have to go back to the customer for. Right. So, um, you know, if we have a customer that says, hey, we're going to provide all of the dimensions for every single part and every single part has to be within this tolerance or we're not going to, or we're going to reject uh, a shipment once it arrives at our dock that we've inspected three months after it arrives. That's not a relationship that we can support. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah, you, you said it exactly right. Many people treat manufacturers as, as transactional relationships and they miss so much um, because they try to optimize for, I would maybe say, lowest cost, um, which is not good because then if you um, need their insight, you need to work with them to build the best product. That That would not work if you're just trying to 
get the best transaction every time. So this is a, a mindset shift that people have to go through. Adar, I totally agree. And um, the first run is a really bad time to um, try mm-hmm. to beat someone up on price mm-hmm. um, because ultimately the first run is almost always the one where the most mistakes occur. Right. Um, the, uh, you know, the highest rejection ratio occurs. Um, and you need firepower mm-hmm. to be able to solve those problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and if there's no, if there's no gas in the tank, you can't actually do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so being my, my approach generally is to take, um, take a quote at face value and accept it. And if, if we can't accept it, um, we either have to move on or, or ask the vendor, Hey, what, what is the, what are the real cost drivers here? Like, where do you see the risks being? Mm-hmm. Um, because this is a lot higher than we expected it to be. Right. Um, this goes back to the relationship where he can reply honestly and say, here are the risks, here are the things that we, we, you, we want you to profit and you want to tell us everything. So- that's right. That's right. And managing those relationships, if they're key to, so managing those relationships is key to our success as a business. Yeah. Um, and we are very careful with how those relationships are managed. Mm-hmm. We, we take responsibility for them because we take responsibility for the finished product. Um, and that's a cost driver. Um, what we can do is once we get past the point of uh, establishing that we have a, a successful first run, we're into the second run, third run, that's when we can start to cost optimize mm-hmm. and say, okay, it looks like we have reduced risk now. You know, our labor costs are lower than we expected them to be. Right. Um, and uh, we need to come back and, and look at how we can increase our volumes and reduce costs accordingly. So mm-hmm. what, is, what is the new target? And then you also have to be respectful of, you know, sometimes the cost increases yeah. after, after the first run. Yeah. yeah. No one should be entering into a, um, an agreement that they can't sustain commercially. Right. Because right. it will fail. Right. Um, <clears throat> it will cost the company money. Um, and, you know, sometimes they're contractually obligated or ethically obligated to follow through on, on, uh, a promise that actually loses the money. Um, it's not sustainable. Right. So if exactly. you can't course correct or move on, um, you, that relationship will fail and the business that it's supporting will fail too. Yeah. I, so, I would just expect the supplier to tell me, uh, if, even if he's obligated to tell me, Hey, I'm, I'm losing money here and maybe we can renegotiate that. Or maybe we can talk about that because I wouldn't want the supplier to, to lose money on my project because they will have to somehow, um, work through it, you know, and, and you don't yeah. want that to happen. Yeah. It makes you the least important customer. Exactly. Yeah. You don't want that. Yeah. And sometimes you also don't want to be the most important customer. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to be you the know? one that pays the most, right? Yeah. Well, if, if you're the one sustaining the business, you want to be aware of it. Yeah. Um, and because if, if, if that source of funds doesn't continue or it changes, then the service changes too. Right. And um, so, I mean, it can be good to be the, the number one customer, um, but that does, that does introduce risk. It also, it also introduces responsibility mm-hmm. 
So, you know, if you want to maintain those relationships and build on them um, and you're their number one customer and things suddenly dry up, a lot of times that's beyond our control. Um, but you, we want to be supportive of the growth of our, our vendors as well. Right, right, definitely. Dylan Horvath, thank you so much for being with us today. I really enjoyed our conversation. And I likewise, it was a real pleasure to talk to you. I think you have a very interesting business. We're going to take a look at it. Yeah, definitely. And uh, if uh, people would like to reach you or your services, where can they find you? So the best way to get in touch is uh, through our front door, www.cortex-design.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and also finding us on LinkedIn, searching for Cortex Design. And um, we would be happy to have a conversation with you. And um, beyond, beyond seeing whether or not we have uh, leading to a successful business relationship, we're interested in supporting the ecosystem too. So maybe it doesn't work out uh, for a business relationship between us and the, and the people coming in through the front door. We still want to help them and point them in the right direction. Amazing. All right. Thank you, Dylan. Thank you. You listen to Design to Product. Thank you for being with us today. And if you enjoyed this episode, please follow us on your favorite podcast channel. And if you want to join, we have a closed Slack channel. You can uh, join with uh, like-minded people. Feel free to share feedback and give us some episode ideas. The link is in the show notes and you can also access it via giga.io. It's J-I-G-A dot I-O in the website footer. Thank you. 